Well, hello, everybody. Uh, thanks for asking me to speak. Um, it's been a long time since I've spoke on Zoom, but it's always a privilege uh, to speak at a meeting. Um, uh, normally, I uh, I would have a tie on. Um, my day kind of was a little bit strange today. I was supposed to everything was supposed to start and finish about um, an hour before it all did today. So um, I apologize for that. Um, so, where do you start? I guess, uh, first and foremost, my name is Josh, an alcoholic. Um, I, let's see, I guess we'll start with what my day is like today. So today, this morning, so far, um, I woke up this morning and um, there's this group chat filled with uh, all these guys from my home group um, and every morning. Uh, we send out things that we're grateful for uh, in this group in this group chat. Um, that's one of the first things I do every morning is is send that in, and then um, I get out of bed and I pray on my knees, which is not something that I've done my whole sobriety. It's not something that I ever thought I would do, um, but it's something that's that served me well um, as of late. Uh, right after that, generally speaking. One of my sponsees, who's also in that group chat, sees me send out what I'm grateful for, and then he calls me. Uh, I used to have my sponsees call me at the end of the day, but my schedule just it just works better if I have them call me in the in the beginning of the day. And um, and that combination of things is really important for me as well, um, because for me, it's really important that I get out of the way first thing in the morning. Um, if I don't, like, it's really easy for my mind and and everything to get away from me um, first thing in the morning and then it sets the tone for the whole day. So um, if I do that, generally speaking, um, I have a pretty peaceful day. Um, after that, I went and uh, I walked. There's this park by my house. I walked there for a little while. Um, I usually go to the gym um, every day or do something physical every day. I, I've always had a lot of energy and if I, again, if I do that, it, it helps to First thing in the morning, it helps to keep everything sort of at bay. So um, then I uh, met with my foreman to uh, pay him and, and talk to him about the projects we have this week. And uh, normally we meet like at a job site, um, but the job that we were going to do today got pushed back. So we met at a restaurant. Um, he doesn't speak any English. And, uh, and he's like, meet me at this restaurant. So I met him. There's like the strip restaurants and he didn't tell me which one. He sent me the address and it like the address takes you to the strip. There's like three different Mexican restaurants in the strip. So um, I like walked in there and like waited for him. And it was like this weird thing. And like he was late. That's fine. He's always late. I'm always late. It's not a big deal. Um, but it, it kind of pushed back my day. So I handled that. And then I was going to speak and drive. And my girlfriend, I told her I was going to do that because we have plans today. And she said, no, why don't you pull over and park? I don't have the best driving record. I've been in a few car accidents. Probably for the best that I actually park. So I'm parked at a rest stop um, on uh, 77, for those of you that know where that is, which I think is probably one person. Um, and uh, so now I'm talking to you guys. So, you know, that's kind of like what most of my days look like more or less is I wake up in the morning and I try to put Alcoholics Anonymous first. Um, I do the things that I have to do uh, work-wise or, or life-wise. And then um, I try to let 
Alcoholics Anonymous take a priority and, and, you know, obviously I have to maintain my relationship with my girlfriend um, and my, my business now. So, um, but it, it hasn't always been like that. There's like, there's, I guess like the biggest thing that's different now compared to like what the rest of my life has been and what my life was before Alcoholics Anonymous is in all of this, there's like a sense of peace um, and like a sense of calm, which I never had before. And, um, you know, I was, I was born, uh, in a city, I guess it's probably, I was born in Cleveland. Um, and, uh, a couple years after that, I, I, my dad got sober when I was around, I believe two or three. Um, and I don't ever remember him drinking or anything like that. Um, and, uh, my parents were together till I was about five and they got divorced and, um, my mom moved into this little apartment. It was this tiny little apartment. And, uh, I remember, I remember that very vividly. It was like, uh, I think it was like a one or two bedroom apartment. And I think she was sleeping in the living room. Um, and, uh, I remember like that change being like something that was, I remember that being like a big change, but uh, it wasn't really a problem or anything. And, and she met my stepfather shortly thereafter. And, um, they like, she like accidentally got pregnant at a shotgun wedding and um, he was a sick dude. He just, he was an opiate addict and, and he never really like, I, I think like the, the gist of like who he was and his demons or, or he just never, I don't think he ever had the opportunity to heal. I think he suffered a lot of trauma in his life and he, he was never, never afforded the opportunity to heal or, or see something or do something different. So, um, and then we bared a lot of that um, us kids and, um, we moved to a, a new city with him and, and my mom. And, um, I remember moving to that city and, and feeling like the oddball and, and the odd one out. And like, things were always kind of stressful at home with him. And, and my brother was born with Down syndrome and a couple other disabilities. So, um, there's a lot going on at home, you know, my, my stepfather and his conditions and my brother and his conditions and, um, I went from being the youngest and only boy to now being like the middle boy. And, um, that was a, that was an adjustment for me as well. And, uh, because of my brother's conditions, my mom couldn't really work. My stepdad worked and, and he was the breadwinner, but he also had a pretty serious opiate habit. So, um, we didn't really have a lot of money, you know, and, and, um, so I'm, I'm this new kid in a new school and I don't know, I'm probably like seven six or seven, I don't know, somewhere around there at this point. And, uh, you know, I, I feel kind of out of place, you know, um, uh, somewhere around the same period of time, I, I'd start being sexually abused as well. And, um, you know, so there's like a lot of this stuff going on and, and I don't really feel safe at home. I don't really feel safe at school. I don't really feel safe in myself. Um, I'm kind of always like anxious and, and filled with fear and, um, sort of unknown, just discomfort. I was just always uncomfortable. Um, I remember from a very young age, like that feeling of being uncomfortable. I was always sweaty, you know? Um, so that was like always sort of what my life was like at a very young age. And uh, I don't say any of that. Cause like, I don't think like those particular things like make me an alcoholic or make me a drug addict or any of those things. I think that those things were contributing factors to like my ability to lie my ability to like mask my emotions, my ability to put on a face, my ability to like push things down and, 
and keep secrets and, and harbor resentments and, and all of those things. So, um, so, you know, I, with my dad being in recovery and, and my exposure to Alcoholics Anonymous, um, and my dad has, has always been transparent about his disease and, and what that means for me genetically and like the, the predisposition and all of those things. And, and my stepdad's condition with him being an addict and people had told me and warned me forever, excuse me, <clears throat> that I was probably like, uh, there's probably a good chance that I was probably going to be affected. Um, so, you know, I was like, well, I guess I'll just never do that. I'll never, I'll never drink. I'll never do drugs. Um, both my parents were smokers too. And that was something I was never going to do, um, either. And, and, uh, because of like everything that was going on at home, I had like a long leash, you know, um, I could, I could pretty much free reign. My, my mom, her hands were always so full with my brother and my stepdad and, and my two older sisters too, um, that, that I could kind of slide through the cracks and I took full advantage of that. So, um, I spent a lot of time like running around the neighborhood, neighborhood kids. Um, it was like a lower middle class. It was a poor ish neighborhood, you know? Um, and, and I found very quickly, like I found my people, right. I found people who were like me, um, grew up like me, you know, had the same stuff going on, whatever. And, uh, you know, they were cool and, and they looked out for me, you know, and I started rolling with these older kids and, uh, these older kids, I remember very distinctly, like, uh, I remember like hanging out with these kids and they were smoking cigarettes and I was like, oh, well, I guess I'll do that, you know, and I started smoking cigarettes with them. And, and I remember, um, somebody was like, Hey, you know, do you want to, you want to try smoking weed? And I was like, and I remember like it was, there was a big book talks about, it. I could sense I was being none too smart. I it, like, I had like all those ideas of like, Hey, you should be careful. Everybody told you, you know, about all this stuff and, and like all that. I was like, well, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what it's about. You know? And I think I was about, 10 or 11 at the time. And, and I remember like, I remember smoking with them and I remember pretty much immediately feeling like, uh, like all that discomfort, all that, um, uh, uneasiness, all of that stuff kind of like go away. Um, and it, a couple things happened for me that day that were really important. One of which is, um, I realized that everybody had lied to me about drinking and drugs. Um, and that this was exactly what I was missing is exactly what I needed. Uh, and two, um, I was going to do this as much as I could. And if they had lied to me about doing drugs, what else did they, I mean, they probably lied about drinking too. Right. So, um, later that same week, um, those same kids were, there was like a house party. And, uh, I remember this kid had like this warm, uh, uh, cores under his bed. And, uh, he'd been hiding it, you know, you know, how kids are, you gotta hide it and steal it. Can't ever have anything cold or anything good. So, um, but I remember like drinking that and, uh, and we left his house and like went to this party. And, and I remember like, as I, the more and more that I drank, the better I, I felt right. The, the, the more social I was, the more I felt free, the more all of those things came to be. And I ended up blacking out and like, throwing up in the yard and that was like pretty normal that like that same scenario you can repeat over and over again until I eventually 
stopped, but that's, that's what my drinking looked like. Right. And, uh, you know, I didn't know any other way to drink. Um, that was how I, that's how I drank the first time. That's how I drank the last time. There was no, there was no deviation from that. I was never trying to have a couple of beers. I was never, you know, um, in the big book, it says he was seldom mildly intoxicated. And that was, that was me. I was always, if I was going to drink, I was going to drink, you know, um, that's how I thought from the beginning and, and until the end. So, um, you know, obviously like being a kid, um, it's not sustainable to drink and do drugs like that. Uh, but that's, that's how I did it. That's how I, and that's how I wanted to do it. Like I said, I had no desire to do anything any other way. So, and like I said, I, I, I felt like I had found the solution for all these problems that I had. So, um, you know, things kind of carried on with that. Um, it did progress. Like I, I would, I wouldn't, I wasn't able to like continue to hang out with the same people. I had to like continuously find shadier and shadier people that were willing to like do what I was willing to do. Um, and, and wanted to party the way I wanted to party and were willing to break into places and break into cars and, you know, do all that stuff. And, and uh, I went from being like a, a B-ish student to like try not to fail and try not to get kicked out of school. And like, perfect. I appreciate you keeping my place. Um, yeah, I went from being like a, a B student and like, uh, like generally speaking, like respectful to like, more or less being like a menace and like trying not to get uh, expelled um, or, or kicked out on a pretty regular basis. I, I learned too, aside from just drinking and, and, and partying that like I could also get a lot of attention for being funny and unruly. Um, and uh, I really thrived in that. I really embraced that. So, um, you know, over time I like got, I would get some like, disciplinary stuff you know uh, i would get kicked out of school or, or whatever i would get suspended or and uh you know i would always like call my dad and I'd be like hey you know i got into some trouble i should probably like go to those meetings you know and it was all just like uh just an act really you know i didn't really i didn't want to like get sober at that point but i knew like if i went to meetings and like did that like the heat would die down and that's what i did um that was like ultimately the goal was to like continue on, you know, um, and in order to do that, sometimes I would have to let the heat die down. So, um, and that's kind of how I did things, right. I was always shooting an angle. I was always manipulating, um, you know, my mom, given her experience with, uh, my dad, my stepdad and, and Alan on and all of those things, she was not having any of what I was doing. And, uh, she, uh, she was not afraid to say things like, well, you're not going to live here and, and do that stuff. And, you know, I'd kind of bounce around from place to place and, you know, all that stuff seemed normal to me. You know what I mean? Like I didn't mind, um, I didn't mind being out and about, you know, um, there was this girl, uh, there was this girl who would let me sleep under her bed. Um, her dad worked nights and, uh, she'd let me sleep under her bed. I, I don't know why I was, remember this but um and i did it pretty regularly i i'd been like more or less kicked out of my mom's house and and uh so i would sleep under her bed and um 
it was a sweet setup, you know. And uh, one night I, I got too drunk and I threw up and, and and pissed under her bed. And she politely asked me not to sleep under her bed anymore. And uh, so in between her house and my mom's house, there was this church. And this church had this, like, paper recycling bin. And uh, I would sleep there. I slept there a, a number of times. And, like, there was, like, a really odd, like, sort of moment of clarity thing at, at one point where I was – I was waking up in the morning and like there's paper recycling bins like behind a church and there's like the playground. You can see the playground from like the, the recycling bin. And like you open up the door, right. And you can see like all these kids and like their parents doing normal stuff. And you're like trying to like plan your exit out of this recycling bin without these people seeing that you're sleeping in the recycling bin. And I remember, I remember like, thinking about it one day like this isn't really how I plan things to go um but like again all that stuff was kind of par for the course right like I wanted to do what I wanted to do and I was going to do that and I didn't I didn't really care like what what got in the way you know um or like the cost of doing business and that was that was a lot of like how I looked at that stuff which is the cost of doing business um so you know fast forward all these things that like I used to drink to escape right like the feelings of like loneliness the feelings of like being different like the the, like sort of like the social element of it like all of those things that like in the beginning were like very alluring for me um they weren't working anymore now at this point I was more or less just pretty much drinking and using alone and and uh and I I couldn't keep friends I I that would steal from you you know you couldn't trust me in your home you couldn't trust me around your stuff um, you couldn't trust me around your girlfriend. It didn't matter. You know, I, I just, I wasn't welcome. Right. So, um, all of those things started to come back. And at this point, like even more so, and, and, and more or less like drinking didn't do what it used to do for me. It didn't take those things away, um, uh, much anymore. And, and I, I was, I was in a kind of a, a helpless spot, you know, uh, um, but I, I remembered going to meetings and, with my dad and, and talking to people. And I remember like very distinctly the idea of like, or like the, the memory of, of being like, yeah, you know, these people are cool. They think like, I think they, they have stories similar to mine. Like they drink, like I drink. And, and like, I think like they understand what I'm about here. But I remember also at that same time being like, well, but there's no way I'm ready to give this stuff up yet, regardless of whether or not I knew it to be true. Um, so, you know, at that point I was pretty depressed and I'd reached out to my dad and I was like, Hey, you know, I don't know. And it wasn't like the other times where I'd like had some trouble or anything like that. Um, and, uh, I'd gone to meetings with him and, and talked to him about meetings to go to. And, you know, I would go and get white chips and stick around for a little while, and put some time together. And just kind of kicking the can down the road more or less. And, uh, but I was never really like willing to, to do anything different. And, uh, there was like one night where like, uh, you know, things had, I remember very distinctly at that point, I was trying like very vividly or like very, I was trying hard. No, I don't know. Um, I was putting a lot of effort into like controlling my, the amount I, I took in and, and the things that the substances that I took and whatever. And uh, I remember a friend of mine was having a party and I remember, I had summer school in the morning. My mom was out of town and I had to take care of 
the horses. It's a totally different story, but there's horses at some point involved in all of this. And uh, I remember I was like, okay, well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go to this party. I'm just going to like smoke a little bit of weed and everything will be fine. I'm just going to take it easy. Go say what's up. I'll get out of there. So um, long story short is I end up blacking out and, you know, like I always do. And um, I, like coming in and out of blackouts, like running and running away from people and, you know, whatever, all these things. And and I go to summer school in the morning and I'm in and out of a blackout in summer school and like falling asleep and, you know, the whole thing. So I come home in the afternoon and um, there's like this card, there's a detective's card on my door from the city that I lived in. Um, and uh, I was still sweating out the night before and I didn't really put much thought into it, but I knew it was something I was going to have to deal with. And um, So I, uh, there's this kid who I was in summer school with who had been a friend of mine and, and I lived on this four lane road and um, he was driving by and, he sticks his head out of the window. His friend's driving. And he sticks his head out of the window. And he starts yelling at me. And he pulls in the driveway next to me. He's trying to fight me. I can't figure out why. I'm like, like I said, I'm still like trying to sweat out the night before. I'm more or less still under the influence to an extent. And uh, I'm trying to figure out why he's trying to fight me. And he's like, well, you, you tried to rape my girlfriend last night. And like, I don't have any recollection of, of any of this going on. And um, I was in no position for like, any sort of real physical confrontation and he kind of spared me of that. Um, but I remember like the way I felt when he said all that to me and, and the complete, like just not knowing like what was true and what wasn't. And, and, and that level of powerlessness, um, it was, it was huge for me. I, I don't think I'll ever forget that. It was tremendous. It was a tremendous feeling. Um, so, uh that was a lot there was a lot to process and um and then i gotta go to uh it's the middle of july i gotta go clean these horse stalls um and um, um it's like two o'clock in july and i'm cleaning up these horse stalls and i'm throwing up in the, the empty stall and it's it, it just i feels like it takes six years to clean these horse stalls i'm just dying and uh and I remember I sat down on this hay bale and I, I was praying and I, I've, I've always had an interesting relationship with God. I've always believed in it, but I, I to that point and, and probably for a little while after that, I, I, I just kind of thought that God hated me or had forgotten about me or, or some, some semblance of that sort of thinking. And um, I sat down on this hay bale and I was like, I don't know what the fuck is going on here. I don't, I can't keep doing what I'm doing, you know? And, um, so, uh, later that day I go home and my sister takes me to the police station and, uh, I would like break people's windows when I was drunk. It was just this thing I would do. I'd run around and throw rocks and stuff at people's windows. It was a pastime of ours. And, uh, you know, I, I, I had done that and, uh, somebody had told the police that it was me. And, um, I made up some lie about how I was dating this girl and, she cheated on me. I was mad. It was a whole big thing, right? And lied to the police. They're like, all right, well, um, the uh, owner of the property says if you if you clean it up and, and pay for the window, he's not going to press charges. So I was like, all right, cool. That's sweet. And, that, and that's honestly like kind of how my life went. I was always getting lucky. Um, so I went over there and I was, I was going to clean it up later that day. And the guy was like, hey, man, um, I want you to take a look in there. 
And uh, so I, I did, and there was like a crib um, on the other side of the window, and uh, the rock that I had thrown in the glass was in the crib. And he's like, my daughter slept in my room last night, but if she hadn't, things would be different. Um, and like the way to all those things really kind of hit me at once. You know, I had really always just kind of kind of like stayed with the old like standby like it's only affecting me and and my drinking only affects me and like you know it's my life to burn to the ground if i want to like that sort of thinking um but like the the weight of that evening and the weight of like the effect that i had had that that the world wasn't safe when i was drinking um was inescapable so um i called my dad and he had since moved to florida and uh i was like i don't know I don't know what to do, man. And it was different from all the other times, you know, and, and he said, well, somebody will be there to pick you up. And uh, there's this guy named Tony who came and picked me up and took me to a meeting. And Tony would become my first sponsor and uh, he would drive. Well, I don't know. You guys probably don't know the distances, but he would drive like a half an hour to my house, a half an hour to a meeting, half an hour back to my house, and then a half an hour back to his house, like four nights a week. Um, and he, he taught me a lot of things. He, he picked me up. We went to meetings early. We stayed late. We broke down the meeting and I cleaned everything up. And, um, and I started to make friends. And like when I was getting sober, uh, I didn't know how to behave in meetings. I didn't know how to interact with people. I didn't know how to do any of those things. And I was hard to be around. Uh, I've always been high energy. And, and I, like I said, I just didn't know how to behave. So um, for him to like take me under his wing that way, I, I'm still tremendously grateful for that so um you know i i start to stay sober i start to make friends in the program and and uh i start to be honest with people about what's going on and what i feel and um you know i remember like looking at the steps and like talking to him about the steps and and whatever and i was like i can do like one two and three like that's probably pretty easy but like i'm not touching that fourth step and uh, I had kind of expressed that to people. They're like, well, just keep bringing your body, right? Your mind will follow like that whole thing. I was like, okay, cool, you know, whatever. And uh, I'd been sober for like three months. And, and this is the only time I'd ever wanted to stay sober because uh, I was scared. But I still wanted to stay sober. And I would started to like experience that I could stay sober and have like a, a decent go at things. And uh, this kid that I was going to school with was having a party and I think it was like his birthday or something. Excuse me. And uh, I was like, well, I'll, I'll go over there. I texted my sponsor. I was like, I'm going to go over there and say happy birthday to these kids and, um, you know, be on my way. And, and then I shut my phone off so my sponsor couldn't tell me not to go. And uh, I went there and I ended up getting high. And then the police came and they cocked me up and called my sister. And, you know, it was a whole big thing. Um but ultimately nothing ever came from it. Like there's no charges or anything, but um, I learned a very important lesson that night. And it's, it's not that like, like Alcoholics Anonymous for me, like it doesn't work just because I want it. You know what I mean? I, I, I sure I, I have to want it and it's very important, but like I can't do 85% of Alcoholics Anonymous and expect to get the results. Like for me, I have to do all of it. Um, and uh and that was, that was very important for me because, like I said, it was the first time I ever wanted to stay sober. And uh, and had really been doing any sort of real work to, to stay sober. So um, I came back and, like, reluctantly, I, 
you know, I started the steps over and I reluctantly wrote my fourth and did my fifth. And like, it wasn't half as bad as I thought it was going to be. And, and I went through the rest of the steps and, you know, I started to like build a life in, in sobriety. I got a job, which I had never had before. I had like, um, I had like real friends that I'd never had before. I, I had like a sense of peace. I was still crazy. I was, I was a lot, I was a lot for a lot of years. It took me a long time to calm down. And, um, but I remember I'd been sober for like two and a half or three years and, and I called my sponsor and, um, I was like, Hey man, I don't know what's going on with me. I still feel weird. I still feel like something's missing. I don't know what's going on. And, and he was like, you know, um, what about those amends? Was there any amends that you'd missed? And the only amend that I had talked to him about not making was, was that woman that I had mentioned earlier. I didn't know how to handle that. Um, and he said, well, why don't you ask God if, if that's something you should do to, um, to put her in your path? And I was like, all right, well, I guess so. And, um, so I did. And, and I swear to God, that's a true story, but it, it seems ridiculous, but, uh, I did. And then the next day I started my first day of my college semester and uh, she was in my psychology class. And like, I didn't know what to do with that. And I was like, I like tried to avoid it. I called my sponsor and I was like, I don't know if, I, if that was like for sure. If that's like what I meant. <laughs> and he was like, well, Hey man, you asked, you know what I mean? You got to have faith that like, this is where you're supposed to be. And this is what you're supposed to do. And I said, okay. And the next day I like went up to her and I was shaking out of my skin. Um, it was by far the hardest amendment I'd ever made. I'd, I'd ever made. And, uh, you know, I walked up to her and I like essentially like had the conversation with her and, and you know, and she was like, what are you talking about? I like repeated it and she was like oh no I just told my boyfriend that because like I don't want her to be mad at me for cheating on him I was like oh good um and I was mad at first you know and uh and then like I I like started to realize that like I had stayed sober like I, I had needed that kind of fear um I had needed that kind of like like realization about like what I'm capable of, like when I'm, when I'm drinking, um, I had needed that to stay sober. And, and by that point I had stayed sober, stayed sober long enough to like build a life in Alcoholics Anonymous. And I was very secure in my program. And, um, I was sure that I was in the right place and I was sure that Alcoholics Anonymous was for me and I didn't have any doubts, you know? And, uh, um, in the book drop the rock, it talks about how our defects of character can like help other people. And like, um, I was, I was mad at that woman, but she saved my life. Um, and, and like, I didn't, I didn't hold on to that resentment for very long. And, uh, I certainly don't now, which is sweet. And, uh, you know, after that, like, there's been like a bunch of like notable things that have happened. There's been a bunch of hard times and, and sobriety for me, you know, my mom got sick and, and she got better and then she got sick again and then she, she passed and, um, I got to participate in that. I got to be there and I got to like support and like help manage and, and, and do all those things. And like, um, it was really cool. Like there's like, there's a situation where when hospice comes in, they generally speaking, send in a social worker too. And, and, uh, I was at work and, and both my sisters were there with my mom and the social worker and, and they were talking about everything and they were like, or no, I was at a meeting and, um, the social worker was like, where's your brother? What's he up to? And, like, well, he's at a meeting, you know, he's in recovery, blah, blah, blah. And, and uh, 
the social worker was like, oh, is that something like we should be concerned about given like everything that's going on? And like without hesitation, they were both like, no, no, it's, it's that's where he needs to be as people make sure he's, he's solid in that. And uh, I have a home group Wednesday nights called Half Measures. And like throughout that whole process, like I would just go there and like just just pour it on him. You know, I would just cry every week throughout that whole process. It was difficult. It was, it was the hardest thing I've ever walked through because that's what it was. It wasn't a quick thing. It wasn't. It's it's not. It's not like it, one day she was gone. It, it took months, and uh, it was a hard, hard months. But there was a point in time where, um, you know, she once she knew she was terminal, she was like, "Well, I'm not going to quit smoking now," um, and I don't blame her. And uh, we would sit on her back porch and drink coffee and smoke cigarettes and and there's a morning where we were sitting out there and she like thanked me for um, being able to face it with her. Um, and like, that's really crazy, you know, for me, because like before Alcoholics Anonymous, like I didn't really face anything. Um, and like Alcoholics Anonymous taught me how to do that stuff. And, uh, you know, so she passed and, and uh, you know, that sucked. It was a really hard time. And that's when I started praying on my knees because I didn't know what to do. And somebody's like, well, now is as good a time as any, I guess, to start praying on your knees. It's not going to hurt anything. <laughs> so I did. And, and I still do because, like, it worked, I guess. You know, it's one of those things where, like, I added, I've added all these things into my life. And I don't know, like, which one of them is, is the thing that's, quote, unquote, working. So I'm not going to start taking things away to figure it out. Um, and uh, throughout all of this, throughout all this, I've been very blessed with like sponsees and, and um, opportunities to be helpful and, and things like that. And and that stuff really keeps me grounded. You know, I, cause I can get really caught up in like all this stuff that I got going on. I got to do this. I got to be here. I got to do that. And all this stuff that like I take for granted. And I talked to one of my sponsees who was just like, <laughs> I just want to be done with IOP and I just want to drive a car again, you know? And, um, or like, you know, I got to go do 30 days on an old case, you know, and that's stuff that's like, that's not far from me. It's not far from me. And um, I take that for granted sometimes. Um, so I thank God for that. So I guess to kind of like wrap it up, like where I'm at now, like I'm, I'm in a relationship, which like I, I've like struggled with, with women throughout my, my recovery. I've it's been an area in which like I've struggled with. And uh, I've been in a healthy relationship now for uh, like four-ish, almost five years. And we're going to have a baby, which is terrifying. Um, I'm going to have a kid, uh, a little a little boy, um, which is sweet. Uh, a couple of years ago, I started learning Spanish. Uh, <laughs> I couldn't really tell you why. Uh, I've been in construction for uh, a number of years and there's a lot of people in construction who speak Spanish and I fell in love with the language. So, um, I like, I like learning stuff too. So, and it's cool. Cause like, it doesn't matter how much I learn or how much, you know, there's always more for me to learn. And, uh, and like now I'm in a position, right. Where like, there's like, like my foreman, like doesn't know any English, like not even like a little bit, like can't even ask me for stuff in English. Um, and like we can sit down and have lunch together and talk about business and talk about projects and talk about stuff. Um, and his family and like it's just sweet you know um, and uh, I get to be a member of my family today and I get to 
meet with my sponsees today and, and do all that stuff. And like, you know, I, I just have a, a really full life. Uh, I've just been really blessed. I've been all over the world. I went to, I went to a Spanish school in Argentina earlier this year. I went to Peru last year and to Puerto Rico a bunch. I want to go a bunch of other places, but like, I got to wait till I can take my son with me, I guess. Um, I think it'd be good for him to go early, but what do I know? <laughs> so I don't know. I, I have a really good, uh, I have a really good life today. Um, and, uh, and that all starts with me. Um, putting Alcoholics Anonymous first and, and remembering to do all those things that I talked about in the beginning. Um, that's where it all starts for me. Is Literally, like, if I don't do those things, I, I know I notice it. Um, and an hour into my day when I'm all grumpy and resentful and I self-entitled and egotistical, like, it, it's really easy for me to remember how things can get out of whack for me. So um, I think that's all I have today. I appreciate you guys asking me. I don't know how to close it because I don't know how to do all that. So I guess I'll pass it over to you guys. Um, but thanks for listening. Thanks for asking me to leave.